Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. Hello, Christ Community Church. I'm Sue Nicodine, Pastor Jim's wife, in case I have not met some of you before. And I am delighted to be with you. I love this church. I love God's Word. And I am excited about today's topic, personalities. The truth is, Jim was afraid of this topic and asked me to speak. I mean, you know how he is. He shies away from hard things. You know, he picks the easy things like politics and race. So I had to step up and take personalities. Seriously, Jim knows I love this topic. I have learned a ton and I am excited to share with you today. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember January of 2020? I know it was just 10 months ago, but it feels like 10 years ago, right? In January of 2020, just after the holidays and just before the pandemic, Jim and I took our grandchildren, Charlotte and Winston, to the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. Do you remember what that was like when you could gather with crowds of people and not think anything of it? Well, that's exactly what we did around that large fish tank at the Shedd Aquarium. We had a blast watching the sharks and the stingray and a myriad of fish swimming just inches from our noses pressed up against the glass. We raced up and down the hallways of the smaller fish tanks and said, oh, look at this one. Come look at this one. I mean, it was truly amazing, especially when you view it through the eyes of children and you see those wild and weird fish and water-loving creatures. It was so much fun. My top three favorite fish that day at the Shedd Aquarium were, number one, the yellow cowfish. What? It's got a square head with horns. It's not very hydrodynamic, but it's super cool. Second favorite fish, the glass catfish. I don't know how that works. You can see through this little fish. You see its little skeleton. Third favorite, of course, the jellyfish. They are just mesmerizing to watch them swim. My least favorite, the eel. That thing was so ugly, it gave me bad dreams. By the way, did you know there are over 33,000 species of fish? Over 33,000 species? I want to know who counted. But the bottom line is this. God loves diversity. God loves diversity. We see it in creation, just in the fish world alone, right? But we also see it in the realm of people and in personalities. Well, welcome to part three of our series, Different Together, Learning from One Another's Strengths. And today's topic is Across Personalities. Now, if you hate talking about personalities and you're already checking out, I get it. But I implore you to stay with me. Okay, we're gonna look at some important scriptures, and we may even address the abuse you've experienced around personality pigeonholing. So stay with me. Let's look at some verses from 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts 
but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 24, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here are three truths that we learn from 1 Corinthians 12. Number one, we are meant to be different. We are meant to be different. Do you see that repeating word in verses four through six? There are different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. We're meant to be different, not different strange people, let's be clear. No, no, different, diverse, unique, varied, just like the fish at the Shed Aquarium, right? God celebrates the myriad of gifts and services and workings and ways that he has made us. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 is mainly about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are those capabilities that the Holy Spirit gives to Christ followers to benefit the church, the body of Christ. Let's say that again. Spiritual gifts are capabilities the Holy Spirit gives to Christ followers to benefit the body of Christ. I believe the truths of 1 Corinthians 12 can also be applied to personalities. What are personalities? They are lenses through which we view the world. Lenses through which we view the world. I've always appreciated Eric Ries's book called Shape, Finding and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose in Life. And he uses the letters S-H-A-P-E to drive home this point that everyone has a personality, but Christ followers have a personality and a spiritual gift, and they often enhance each other. So S, spiritual gifts, again, those capabilities the Holy Spirit gives to Christ followers to benefit others. And by the way, you find them listed not only in 1 Corinthians 12, but in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4, spiritual gifts. H is for heart. You have a heart for something, a, a passion. And maybe it's working with children or unwed moms or new Christ followers or people getting out of debt. You have a heart for them. S-H-A, A is for abilities, a set of talents. You work with your hands and you can build things. Or you're organized and you can administrate. Or you're a good listener, you have good people skills or you're tech savvy, these are abilities. S-H-A-P is personalities, and that's the lens through which we see the world as God has wired us. E is experiences. 
those parts of your past, both positive and painful, that God can use. Divorce recovery, breaking free from addiction, leading a company, parenting special needs children. You have experiences. You see, God wants to redeem everything about us. And so when we learn what our shape is, it's freeing. I mean, we can stop comparing with anybody else or competing. We can stop conforming to what the world tells us we should look like. We can declare Ephesians 2.10. I am God's workmanship, poema, masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for me to do. He shaped me to be who he wants me to be, even in my personality. So today we're gonna study the P in shape personality. Now maybe you have taken a personality assessment in school or on the workplace. Myers-Briggs, DISC, StrengthsFinder, really helpful tools to place people in the right job in a company, be it leadership or middle management or sales or accounting. Not right or wrong, but needed and different. Well, the latest craze seems to be the Enneagram personality tool. Enneagram describes nine personalities because Ennea is Greek for nine. And so, um, again, this is the most popular thing out there. And we want to remind ourselves, God wants to redeem everything about us, even our personalities. Of course, the primary tool for understanding ourselves and our purpose in the world is God's word. But Colossians 3.10 says God is up to something. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Oh my goodness, we are being renewed in the image of God. I mean, you remember that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, Genesis 1. But sin marred that image. And in Christ, God is renewing his image in each one of us. So let's see how our personalities reflect the image of God. Here's an aerial view of the nine types of personalities described by the Enneagram and how they reflect God's image. See if you can spot your own personality among the nine. Type one, the reformer. The reformer has a superpower, something that they're good at, and that is goodness. They reflect that God is good and perfect in all of his ways. Reformers want to make things better or right, ethical and ordered. So they, they show us God is good. So thank you, type ones, for reminding us that God is good and perfect. Type two, the helper. They have a superpower of love and service. They see what's needed and they get the job done. They remind us that God is love, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Thank you, type twos. Type three, the performer have a superpower of effectiveness. They are productive achievers, and they remind us that God is effective in all that he sets out to do. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Thank you, type threes. Type four, the romantic, their superpower is originality. These are our creatives. They seek depth of feeling and authenticity. 
They remind us that God is creative and deep and authentic. Thank you, type fours. Type five, the investigator has a superpower of wisdom. These people are perceptive, studious thinkers. They remind us that God has all wisdom and knowledge. We can have the mind of Christ and the wisdom from above. Thank you, type fives. Type six, the loyalist. These people are committed and responsible, loyal and faithful. And of course, they remind us that God is faithful and true. Great is his faithfulness. Type seven, the enthusiast, their superpower is joy because life is an adventure and a delight to them. They remind us that in God's presence is fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you, type sevens. Type eights, the challenger, they focus on power. They have an ability to take charge and they are courageous. They remind us that God is our powerful leader, the Almighty. Thank you, type eights. Type nine, the peacemaker. They have a superpower of peace. These people are diplomatic mediators. They can see both sides of an issue. And they remind us that God gives perfect peace when we focus on him. Jesus is called Prince of Peace. Thank you, type nines. Blessed are the peacemakers. Wow, so the Enneagram describes nine different and valid ways to view the world and reflect the image of God. Let me ask you, do you believe there are eight other ways to view the world other than your own? Listen, don't tell my husband that I'm saying these things because I've worked really hard to convince him that my way is the valid way. Okay, so this is just between us. There are eight other ways to view the world, right? Not right, not wrong, but different and God-shaped. Think about the world of music for a minute. All right, each instrument in a symphony plays a different tone, sound, pitch, volume. But together, the strings and the woodwinds and the brass and the percussion, they play a moving composition and it can touch our souls and tell a story. Think of the world of color. Imagine a stained glass window. You might see a little triangle of blue and a square of red, but when you step back and the light shines through, it takes your breath away. You see a magnificent picture, often a scene of a storyline. So it is with our personalities, like musical instruments, like variety of colors. To the degree, my friends, that we can value one another's personalities and celebrate that they reflect an aspect of the image of God, we can work together to bring God glory and tell his story. God loves diversity. He meant for us to be different. And how our broken world needs the image of God in us, our superpowers, of goodness and love, effectiveness, originality, wisdom, loyalty, joy, power, and peace. We are meant to be different. Number two, we are meant to be unified. We're meant to be unified. 
Back to 1 Corinthians 12, there's two ways in which Christ followers are unified, in source and in purpose. Let's start with source. Take a look at verse four. Where do our different gifts and personalities come from? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but it's the same God at work. Do you see that repeating word, same, same, same? It's God who distributes the gifts and the personalities as he sees fit. He's the source. What about the purpose of our personalities and our gifts? Look at verse 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Verse 25, God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but it, its parts should have equal concern for each other. So we are meant to be unified because our source is the Spirit of God, which Christ followers have in common, and our purpose is for the common good. No division, equal concern. And let me add, in love, because you know what follows 1 Corinthians 12, don't you? 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And Paul starts that chapter by saying, I don't care how fancy or profound your spiritual gifts are, if you don't have love, it's nothing. So we add in love is the purpose. Again, the source of the unity is the Spirit of God. The purpose of our gifts and personalities is for the common good, to build each other up in love. If we really wanna be about what God is about, pursuing unity by the Spirit for the common good in love must be at the top of our list. How important is pursuing unity to you? It's really hard to do, surrounded as we are, with differing views and personalities, dramatically different than our own, right? I will never forget the February morning, a number of years back, when the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, showed me this truth in a fresh way. It catapulted me out of my living room chair where I was sitting, uh, where I read God's word every morning, and I ran for my phone I texted three different women and lined up three different coffees and decided to pursue unity around a conflict that had happened five years earlier. Now, I'm not proud of that time lapse, but I was finally getting around to God's priority. You see, it wasn't right or wrong, but there were strong personalities and opinions involved in a particular ministry that we were all a part of. And I needed to sit down with each of these women and say, you know, when you said this and did this, I felt this. Could you clarify what was behind that? And they were able to do the same. And we came to a sweet forgiveness and unity. And it was hard, but it was really important to do. We felt God's smile on our efforts toward unity. Experts tell us that 65% of our conflict isn't right or wrong. 65%, that's two-thirds of our conflict, isn't about right or wrong. So much of it is about personality, right? Maybe you feel like Linus in the old Charlie Brown cartoon where he says, I love mankind. 
It's, it's the people I can't stand, right? Maybe you say, I love the church, but the people, you know, sometimes those personalities rub me the wrong way. They step on my toes. They think they've got the only right way to do things. Or, you know, some personalities are aloof, distant, not team players, can't connect with them. What's with that? I love the church. It's the personalities I can't stand. Well, go back to the text for just a moment. Let's take a look at verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 12. 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You see, it's a lie to say, I don't need others. I don't need their gifts. I don't need their personalities. God's word says we need each other. And personalities is part of the package. Whether we be an eye, a hand, a foot, a kidney, we need each other, right? Turn to somebody and say, I need your gifts and personality. I need your gifts and personality. We are meant to be different. We are meant to be unified. And thirdly, we are meant to grow. We're meant to grow. The theme of the book of 1 Corinthians, according to the NIV Study Bible introduction, is this, progressive sanctification, the continuing development of holy character. Progressive, that means I can make progress. Sanctification, I can be set apart, made holy, to be more like Jesus, even in my personality. How cruel it would be of the Apostle Paul to encourage us and exhort us to grow if it weren't possible. We are meant to be on a path of growth and spiritual transformation, even in the realm of personality. Or maybe I should say, especially in the realm of personality. Now, I showed you the nine Enneagram types and how, how they reflect the image of God and their strengths. Let me show you the downside of the nine personalities, what are called the vices, or seven deadly sins, plus two to make nine, right? And by the way, there's no elbowing the person next to you if you spot theirs. Okay, no, you look for your own. Type one, the reformer, they want to do the right thing. They're conscientious, but they can have a root sin of anger. They have a strong inner critic that makes them sometimes resentful and they can veer off into being judgmental. Type two, the helper, they wanna feel needed, but they have a root sin of pride. Cause see, their way of loving and serving is the benchmark for everyone else. And they're busy with other people's needs, but they don't even see their own and they veer off into people pleasing. Type three, the performer, they want to prove that they can and they have a root sin of deceit because they fear failure and they worry about their image and they can cut corners to be productive, put up a false front, and they can veer off into overworking. Type four, the romantic, they want to feel special. They yearn for deep relationships. Their root sin can be deceit. Sorry, their root sin is envy and maybe deceit too. Romantics, have an envy, they feel like they're fatally flawed. 
okay, and everybody else has something they don't have, envy, and they can veer off into hypersensitivity. Type five, the investigator, they want to share their knowledge because they have so much of it, but they have a root sin of greed. They can pull in with a scarcity mentality. They isolate and detach. Type six, the loyalist, they want to be of service and they want to be safe, but they have a root sin of fear. They have a worst case scenario mentality of what might go wrong. They veer off into anxiety. Type seven, the enthusiast, they want to avoid pain and boredom by planning fun, right? But they can have a root sin of gluttony, wanting more and more distraction. FOMO, fear of missing out. And they can veer off into addictive escapes. Type eight, the challenger, they wanna be in charge, they're direct and confrontational. They can have a root sin of lust, not so much sexual, but a lust for control and self-reliance. Type nine, the peacemaker, they want to create peace, but in the face of conflict, they go to sleep. They have a root sin of sloth, passive aggressive, go along to get along and merge. Oh my goodness, this list makes us feel vulnerable and exposed, doesn't it? It is not fun to be called out. I mean, that's how I felt when I found out my root sin is a type two, is pride. Now, it is true that I can out-love you and out-serve you, and I'm kind of proud of that, but do you, do you know how Jesus felt about pride? He hated the pride of the Pharisees. Proverbs 8 says, the Lord speaking, I hate pride and arrogance. Love is not proud. Oh my goodness. And now I'm conscious of this. It was a blind spot. I know I can veer off into people pleasing and the acceptance I'm looking for, keep doing more. I mean, this is embarrassing to admit. But if we're honest, God can begin to do a work in our personalities. If we're meant to grow, then point A is grow in self-awareness. Grow in self-awareness. You see, this is where we take up David's prayer of Psalm 19, 12 and 13. He says, Lord, who can discern his own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. You see, lurking in my personality, lurking in your personality are both hidden faults Blind spots, things we can't see, and willful sins, things we march right into, right? Enneagram work can shine a spotlight on both. That's how we grow in self-awareness. Secondly, we need to grow in gospel awareness. Grow in gospel awareness. How does the good news of Jesus permeate my personality? How does it address the lies I'm believing in order to get my own needs met? We've got to start with the bad news. You see, the bad news is that our hidden faults and our willful sins separate us from a holy God. We can't self-help ourselves, or we would have done it by now, right? We can't improve ourselves to be good enough for heaven. God's perfect presence. It's the truth. 
and it's the bad news. But the good news is God so loved us. Don't let those words become overly familiar. God so loved us. It takes our breath away. He had a plan. He sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life on this earth. And Christ chose to lay down his life and die on a cross to take the punishment for our hidden faults, our willful sins. And he rose again from the dead to conquer sin and death. And for the asking, we can have a clean heart. To pray a prayer, something like this, that's heartfelt. Oh God, I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you come into my life? Give me a clean heart. Help me to live for you. Show me in your word how to do that. Teach me my shape so that I can build up the church and bless the world. For the asking, we can allow the gospel to permeate our personalities. And then, every day thereafter, we preach the gospel to ourselves. That means we remind ourselves that we are forgiven in Christ, we are loved in Christ, we have purpose in Christ. The gospel can tell type one reformers who are perfectionists, you know what? His strength is made perfect in your weakness, so trust him. Type two helpers, his love can fill you to do the job of loving, so trust him. Type three, achievers, you know what? You can rest in him and cease striving, and so on. The gospel makes a difference on a daily basis in all nine personality types. This past year, all three of my adult children decided to have babies in the same eight-month stretch. Seriously? You know, we couldn't have spread this out. And um, not only that, two out of three decide to move in the pandemic, where their friends are isolated and can't help them move, right? So they call on mom, type two helper, to get the job done. Now, to be honest with you, I've had an absolute blast this year because it, not only am I helper by personality, but it's my shape, my spiritual gifts of serving in hospitality and encouragement and my, uh, my heart for young families, my abilities, my experience, all of that came together. And so I was able to uh, really help my adult kids and grandkids. And it's been so much fun, but Thanks to Enneagram personality work and the rumble strips of self-awareness and gospel awareness, I've caught myself at times veering off the path of healthy serving and giving, and I've been able to pray, number one, Lord, type twos, this is a really important prayer, Lord, is this mine to do? And secondly, you be my first love, and fill me with your love so that when I give and serve, it's out of an overflow and not out of neediness. Super helpful and freeing, self-aware, gospel-aware. And thirdly, not only were those two things guard us, but we need to grow in compassion. We need to grow in compassion. The story is told in the book, The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. The story is told about a nurse 
who works with children with profound visual impairment. Now, this nurse leads support groups for the, the moms who are so frustrated and confused on how to parent their child with visual impairment. So one thing that she does is hands the moms a pair of glasses that correlate to their child's visual disability. And almost always, when those moms put on those glasses, they burst into tears and say, I had no idea this is how my child views the world. And of course, they're flooded with compassion, and it changes everything as to how they parent. You see, my friends, the Enneagram teaches us nine pair of glasses that we can put on, and we can say, oh my goodness, that's how you view the world. That's what's important to you. That's what motivates you. And it can give us compassion for each other. Just think of what this could do in marriages or in families, friends, roommates that you live with, friends you go to school with. Think what this could do in the workplace, in community groups, in other ministries in the church. Understanding personalities can fill us with a fresh compassion for each other. And may I add, this information is never meant to be a sword or a shield. It is not meant to be a sword, a weapon, where we pigeonhole and we berate and we say, oh, you are such a six. Oh, I see your three coming out. No, we work on our own selves, right? It's not meant to be a shield where we excuse ourselves and say, this is just the way I am, you're gonna have to live with it. Now we put down the sword, we put down the shield, and we pray, God, would you make me the healthiest, spirit-filled version of my personality so that I can grow to be like you and bless the church? Not a sword, not a shield, but a tool of spiritual transformation. Well, we have just scratched the surface of Enneagram personalities. I would like to invite you to a webinar I'm going to give to continue the conversation. Saturday morning, November 14, 9 to 10.30, stay at home, watch it online. I want us to, again, take apart how we can grow in self-awareness, gospel awareness, others' awareness. You can sign up at ccclife.org slash personality, so that's easy to remember. I invite you to join me. I challenge you to join me. Thank you so much for listening. God wants us to be different. He means for us to be unified, and he means for us to grow. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the night before your crucifixion, when you imparted the most important things, you prayed to the Father for those who would believe in you one day, that they would be one as you and the Father are one. How we long to be an answer to your prayer. I pray that each one of us could know an action step to value our differences, to pursue unity, and to grow. Thank you for your great love. It changes everything. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.